Hey guys, Patrick Keen here. Episode three of Keen on Things podcast. Thanks for joining. Don't know why you are, but uh, thanks for joining. Check and sound, check and sound. Uh, week three of this pandemic, pandiastemic, not pandy, because it's uh, we're up to ten thousand casualties in the states alone, and uh, hopefully it levels off and we save as many people as humanly possible on the planet. Uh, this is, this is episode three, guys, and uh, this is ep- episode three, and we're calling it. You know what? I, I I've been cooking a lot more with this uh, lockdown, and this morning I made myself some eggs quarantine. How's that? Huh? First joke of the episode: eggs quarantine, which uh, some good spinach and hash brown and and hollandaise sauce and all kinds of stuff. Egg, ham, just everything. That's what eggs quarantine is. So thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Patrick Keen. I'm sorry your life is going in a direction that led you here. Uh, but this is episode three. And um, we've been doing a lot of different things with our time. I didn't like the sound during the second half of the second episode, so I'm trying to get that fixed. Laptops running a little bit hot, and you could hear it. It was audible. I don't like that. What's up with that? Too many programs open? I don't think so. All I had open was Sound Studio 3. Or so I thought. Anyone have suggestions on that? Let me know. Email me, patrickkeen at hotmail.com. Yeah, I still use Hotmail. Uh, Listening to the last two episodes, I really need to slow it down. Spend some time on the comments and issues that I'm making and bringing up. What am I in such a hurry for? You're not going anywhere. Like, you know, what am I giving myself the light? All right, two minutes in on a half-hour episode. Uh, what's going on this week? Oh, man, I've just been traveling, doing shows all over the place. I'm going to get, get caught up all about American cities. Um, yeah, so I need to slow it down. It's all about stillness, right? I'm reading a book by Ryan Holiday, 1L. Well, of course it's 1L. It's not Billy Holiday with two. Does she have two? I love the name Billy in a, in a, in a lady. If a girl's name is Billy... Anyway, Ryan Holiday wrote a book. I think it's part of a trilogy. I think it's the third one. Uh, stillness is the key, and it's so good, and so, and it resonates from the first word all the way through, and it's kind of that same concept every chapter, but you just keep reading it, even though you just read chapter one, you get it, but you stay on it. It's great. I love it. It's an emphasis on stillness and no music sound, getting comfortable in your own thoughts and all that, um, you know, um, what's it called? Meditation, stuff like that, that I'm going to get into. Steve Rogers is trying to get me into it. It's definitely helped with him, he says, with his whole life, with his comedy, and that helps, you know, the anxiety before shows, after, during, whatever. And it's life, and that's what it's about. It's just us reaching out to try to connect with as many people as possible. Oh, God, start start a little sooner with the connecting with as many people as possible, why don't you? Um, so, yeah, week three of quarantine, cooking home more. Uh, and by cooking, I mean using the microwave. So that's what I'm looking at. Is this country going to eat itself? Is that what's going on? Is that what's happening in America? I think I think the PM of England, who is in the hospital, by the way, intensive care, Boris Johnson, which is scary, and I hope he gets out of that, of course. The PM of England, uh, when America acquired Washington or Oregon, the Oregon Territory, I think, back in the uh, first half of the 1800s, I think he said something about, like, America's too big, it's going to eat itself. Um, I don't know if we bought that property from England or Russia. God, it'd be good to fact check some of this. I mean, do we even care each other about each other at all? 
like all the fighting about healthcare for all, all the lies about it being unaffordable, all the church we go to, the time we spend in church over the course of our lives. But do we care enough to do enough? Or are we going to church for appearances, you know, in our little communities? Or do we actually care about the poor, about not the homeless as much as just people that can't afford, that like can't afford treatment in the hospital and just are always behind on bills because they can't get ahead and, and certain industries profit off that. Our priority on uh, getting medical attention and ventilators to people and how late to the game we've been and continue to be. We've got all the money in the world, I thought, this country. You know, everything that gets help, you know, up in Congress to make sure all of them are benefiting financially, right? Everyone in Congress benefits, so it takes a long time to make sure, you know, everybody's um, getting something out of it before action is taken. I was raised in private Catholic schools in Orange County, the nicest real estate the world has ever seen. We were raised on the Christian Catholic message, you know, yet we deny and turn a blind eye to sexual molestation of minors. We don't care about the homeless, the suffering, the poverty. Most of the people I grew up with, whether it was Toledo or Orange County, in this Christian Catholic community will be voting Trump, will be voting for money. Because our great-grandparents who were white were able to make it with hard work and a ton of luck. So therefore, everybody else who isn't making it just isn't working hard enough. You know, that's kind of the consensus. It's on them, you know. Like where I'm, I'm constantly brought up uh, on, you know, Irish Americans who are well-to-do. Like they talk about, you know, we had to endure the potato famine and the English persecution. Okay. 150 years ago. And we were still white. We were the same color as the race that was doing the persecuting. Even whiter. We're the one race that was too white. They're like, you guys took it too far. Okay. I think I'm going to do that bit. I got to turn that into a bit, man. Um, so, yeah, what I'm saying is crap, but uh, there's some truth to it. Anyway, it was, um, it was a long time ago, and it was not on the level of blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, because it's still happening in this country today to them. You know, it's not, it's not, they're not crossing the border illegally. It's a homecoming. They're from here, indigenous. Um, I have no idea the numbers, but I got to think it's gone on way longer here and to a much worse degree. Ireland, England seems to be getting along, you know, this whole Irish persecution. I heard uh, Hannity say that once. Well, my great, great grandfather to come to this and this and that. And it was like, dude, please spare us, you pig. Um, Northern Ireland seems to be fine. I mean, the English, the English actually wanted to pull out back in the 70s. After that whole uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and around that time, I believe they wanted to pull out, but citizens of Northern Ireland wanted to remain under, a majority of them, wanted to remain under English rule and not Irish, and England didn't want to abandon them hanging. So uh, they kept it. And I think reparations have been made, correct me if I'm wrong, right, right in, um, that the Irish families that suffered... And Sunday Bloody Sunday have been uh, paid. There have been reparations. Obviously, that doesn't bring people back, and it still hurts. But it's people in the present trying to be solution-oriented. And uh, that I like. That's good to see. Let's solve this and end any possibility of, or as much a possibility of possible as this continuing into the future. I am babbling. This stream of consciousness has got to be killing people. Um, something like that. So email me if you have thoughts. It's okay to be angry at me. 
you know, uh, you know, call me out. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of most things, right? Um, so yeah, can we give them a little help? Just level the playing field. I mean, isn't there a line where we don't want people too poor? And this, the richest country we have, the richest, I'm sorry, the richest country that's, that's humankind has ever known. Can't there be like a line that it's like, okay, we're in the richest country ever. You can't be this poor. We're going to help you here. We're going to help you, you know. Who knows? Okay, perhaps someday the poor and even lower middle class and even middle class, if that's even a thing, um, not just the lower middle class, but the middle class, if that's a thing anymore, they'll figure it out someday and vote in their own economic interest or rebel. And if they rebel, don't stop rebelling too soon. Don't get overexcited and take an early bailout. That's what Americans love, man. We want good news so bad. We can be such babies that it's like, oh, no, we need good news, even if we have to fabricate it. Oh, like, I mean, Trump's like, oh, no, we're almost out of this thing. Let's don't lie to me that much. You know, exaggerate, but don't tell me it's almost if it's not, because then, you know, you're messing it up, man. God, who's still listening to this podcast? What a turn we've taken. What an absolute snorefest and lunatic stance. Not that lunatic, just slightly. To help with rent, I'm doing a lot of yard work, you guys. Um, I was on Zoom with some friends from high school last week. It was fun. Uh, Andrea, Simone, Kelly. And that was fun. Saw some others doing it. Casey, Allie, Megan, Monica, Kirsten, some Carroll College friends from Helena, Montana. I went to college in Montana. And, uh, yeah, we were just talking about something entirely different. But uh, the Orange County to Montana transition was interesting. You know, Orange County used to have oranges and a little bit of nature and uh, turned into freeways. But um, then Montana has nature, and, and it was really interesting to go there and, uh, you know, see that there were still nature, see that there were still, uh, you know, tough white guys. That was new to me, like tough white kids. You know, because in Orange County, there were like white kids and there were tough Hispanic kids, obviously tough black kids, L.A. and stuff, but I had never seen really tough white kids. Um, I was with Swartzen in, in Boston, and there was almost a fight at a movie theater. It was crazy. Uh, between a black guy and a white guy, and nobody was backing down. And Swartzen made the comment, he's like, Boston, man, it's the one city possibly in America where white guys are not afraid of black guys, uh, or white people aren't afraid of black people. So that should that's fun. That's a fun thing to say. Um, but uh, it was funny. Um, and true, right? People will throw down. Now, the whole South and the whole KKK, that's a different thing. Like, you have to put masks on and do horrific things. Anyway, so, yeah, I was in Montana, and uh, it was great. Barbar tattoos. Mullets, we had mullets. I was like, oh, I thought mullets were done in, like, the late 80s, um, but not quite. Some rat tails and stuff, early 90s. It was a college, private school. Um this is kind of cool. I was at a gig at Western Washington in Bellingham, Washington, which is north of Seattle, just shy of uh, Canada. Big marijuana place, probably, because it's a college town. It's right by the border. I don't know who that helps, though. Are they getting it from us? Or are we getting it from them? Do they grow it there better? Uh, but yeah, I went to college with Tyson Hunter and girl I went to grade school with and high school, Megan Morris. Incredible people, both. Their kids went to the same school. They didn't know that. Well, they didn't know each other kind of but anyway they were at a gig i was doing a, a gig up there and uh some little theater and ryan styles from um yeah 
the in- improv show. I'm blanking on that. Whose line is it anyway with Drew Carey? He lives up there, and he, we ran into him at a bar before the show, and he bought us a scotch or a bourbon. Damn it. And uh, it was delicious. Anyway, then we went to this little theater where the show was, and uh, worlds collide, man. This guy I went to high school with, recognized this girl I went to. Uh, I'm sorry, this guy I went to college with, Tyson, recognized this girl I went to high school with. And uh, they're ki- well because they recognized each other because their kids went to the same school, and it was just like worlds colliding. And that's such a trip, man, because those two worlds in my head were so distinct and so far away from each other. Two great people, two great families, both great athletes, actually. Um, and just a little bit of background on them. <laughs> what is this podcast? Tyson was a walk-on basketball player, an eventual starter. He hit a half-court shot to send a game into overtime or win it. I'm not sure which. I think he sent it in overtime, and then we won it. It was college. It was the night of the winter formal, so I couldn't go because I had a date, obviously. I was actually using his girlfriend's place at the time. He hit the shot to cook dinner for my date. Uh, his girlfriend now, or his girlfriend, now wife, Amy, um, lived with some friends, Katie Penny and all them. Uh, they lived near campus, and they let me use their house for a date. Um, this place was right off campus. I mean, it's like, it might be campus housing now, but they let me, uh, they let me use the kitchen. I cooked food. I, I'm sure it was spaghetti, you know, for my date. Spilled a little. I'm sure there was wine, little wine. White? The ladies like white. Am I right, ladies? When you do that, good things happen, right? Can you imagine a 20-year-old or whatever doing that? Like actually making dinner? I mean, that's got to blow minds because there's couples out there whose husbands won't make dinner after 20 years of marriage, 30 years. And I'm doing it at 20. Actually, it was later college, so I might have been 27 at that point. Kidding. I wasn't in college that long. But 23, probably. Yikes. But they let me use their uh, their house, and it was a good time. And I'm a gentleman, you know. So, yeah, a little bit of a late bloomer. I was in college too long. Blate Loomer. That might be an album title. Blate Loomer. Did I go over that before? Um, so, yeah, we had dinner, and then we went to the dance. Uh, and we dated for a while after that, so it was cool. So, yeah, anyway, Zooming is an opportunity. This podcast should be called Anyway, because it just jumps around. Are we halfway through? We're almost halfway through. So Zooming is an opportunity to relieve, to relive all this. I'm reading these notes. That's what it's cool about Facebook and Zooming. I know there's a lot of comics that make the jokes about Facebook, but it's some people you're like, oh, I actually do want to know what that person was up to. You know, um, and then sometimes you're like, I like that that person's just a memory way back in my brain somewhere. And then I can, it's almost like reading a book. You can kind of fill in the, the blanks and uh, create the world around that person or story. However, however you like. Um, so yeah, Zooming gives you that opportunity. Um, that's a potential ad, Zoom. If you want to jump in on some ad space and give me some money. Week three, man. This podcast is enough. Like if this virus heard this podcast, see COVID-19 would be like, oh God, I got to leave these people alone so they can get back to their lives and this guy will stop doing this. Um. I want to advertise products I use, you know, the real stuff. I know I talk about that, you know, need to get into like the dollar shave club or something because I have issues with the the shaving. I can't shave one day after the next. I have to like give it two or three days. Um, But I am a hairy guy, but it's thick and coarse, but I can't let it grow because it's, you know, like beanstalks and it doesn't fall nicely. Like, and part of my, the front of my neck, like where I shave gets a rash 100% of the time, like the front right quadrant. 
And it's just uh, kills me. So I got to get in with them. That'd be a good ad if you guys want to use me. Uh, Joe Sibbs, a comedian here in LA. He's got nice hair, man. Best hair in show business. Look him up, SIB. Joey, simple, two syllables, likes to keep it tight. I think I compliment him on his hair too much. I hope, I hope I don't annoy. I, I'm just doing that more. I'm annoying people as I get older. I'm talking more. I'm more desperate. I'm more annoying. I think it's because time's running out and I want to get mine in, you know? Uh, exercise, yeah, I got the bike. It's going well. A little further each day. I went to the beach on my bike from Beverly Glen. Not easy, all right? Down Beverly Glen, across Sunset, down to Wilshire. It's down, down Wilshire to San Vicente, and then from San Vincenza all the way to North Santa Monica, and the beach is right there. It's right where Dom DeLuise's son used to live. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'd, uh, I'd drop scripts off for him when I worked at Gilmore Girls. He was on, um, not Peter from 21 Jump Street, I don't think. I think it was a different... DeLuise, but uh, he, he lived in a high-rise. Am I allowed to say this stuff? Um, he was also an Encino man, and I think Wayne's World. I think he played the drunk in Wayne's World where they pick him up. Good-looking guy, really nice guy, and uh, was in uh, several episodes of Gilmore Girls. And uh, I don't know if he still lives there, but I love that area, man, down San Vincenzo where, the, where it meets the water. Went to a New Year's party there once with, I think, Pat Nay and Sheldon. Wow. Um so yeah, do we care about each other in the U.S.? I feel like we're the worst country right now. I know people are like, "Oh yeah, try another country if you don't like it," and it's like, ah, that's that doesn't mean we stop improving. I mean, the pandemic just highlights this: like people not willing to make sacrifices for each other. Homeless situation grows. We don't care. Tent cities everywhere. We have to make affordable housing. Treat these people. Educate them. Find out who can recover and sustain work. Some of them can. It's worth it. Whatever it costs, it's worth it to find out which ones we can save, you know, even economically. Like, some are clinically mentally ill and need housing, but can we at least differentiate, you know? And find out, though, find out who isn't mentally ill and if it's just someone that's always going to be homeless, no matter what. Can we take steps to breaking the homeless into these three groups? Is that a good start? I feel like it is. Call in right now, and we'll take your calls. But I think that's the... The first step, let's at least find out who's willing to play ball, who can't, and then who isn't willing, and then they can be outcast um, and do their thing. But Jesus, let's get, we can at least, you know, fix this a little bit instead of being so cutthroat and being like, oh, you can't survive, you can't pay these bills, we're going to take away your home and going to make it even harder for you. And then that's going to increase the probability of you committing crime, of you not being able to afford uh, birth control. God forbid two homeless people get pregnant. You know, um, or Planned Parenthood, stuff like that. You know, people need help, man. Brothers and sisters, right? Don't we talk about that every Sunday? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe I'm living in LA. Maybe it's just still the Wild West out here, and I have to get over it and grow up and quit being naive. But I would hope that we're past that. You know, and I love this. Well, we just need to sit down at the table and discuss. Oh, that's yeah. Can it be more than just that? Can can we please make our launching point a little further into the process than we just need to sit down? It's just such a write-off. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little tired of the hypocrisy. I mean, we're taught one thing in school and practice another thing as we get older. Anyway, fascinating. Uh, all we have to do to be a thousand times better are white people in the top one to five percent um, of earners in the country need to pay more in taxes. I promise if I made that money, I'd be cool with paying huge taxes as long as it gave poor people more of a chance. I promise. All right. 
once I'm making a lot of money, which will happen, you'll see, man. They'll be like, why do you vote against your own economic interests? To give poor people a chance. If you told a middle-class person or a poor person, you'll have to pay this in taxes, but you'll get, you'll get this lifestyle. You'll get this much money for yourself. And this is how society benefits as a whole. They would cry of laughter and joy and sign on. And then, of course, people who make really good money, but, you know, vote in their own economic interests. No, it won't help society overall. Government will have more and just run it into the ground. Nope. Because we're also going to hold government more accountable. What do you do with our money, government? Where are our schools, libraries, hospitals, clinics, job training, and placement facilities? Where are they? I, I'm with you. I know. LA Unified, I, I was a substitute teacher. South Central and East LA. LA. LA Unified had way too many administrators and not enough resources going toward the teachers and the classroom. You know, the battleground. There were like way too many administrators hanging out in that office down on Beaudry. And don't tell me, like when people are like, oh, we work harder, we deserve the money. You know, the upper one to five. Not always the case. You work smarter. You were born on third and claim that you got a triple. I think it was Corolla who said that great quote. Just give back. I mean, make the nation and humanity stronger. All right. We're clearly in a cultural nosedive. And somehow we also get poor people to vote against their own um, economic interest with, with fears of, uh, well, you just you say, oh, I, you know, I'm not voting in the same, same way as black people vote or Latino people vote. Or you say the war overseas, you know, the Arabs, they're coming to take away. And so you just scare the poor, poor whites or middle class or lower middle class to vote against their economic interest. It's, it's phenomenal, the control. Can't imagine anyone's still listening. Um, yeah, so just make the places we give our money to more accountable, more money into education, but give us better test scores, right? Give it a few years, too, not months to turn things around. All right, and hey, look, this is an area I disagree with Bernie. College isn't for everybody. Trade schools or just hop into the workforce and work your way up. Those are options, too. It's an area where uh, I disagree with him, and it's probably the only area. But I'd still vote for him a thousand times over anyone we have now, or probably will ever have. You know, but we're too stupid and close-minded and pathetic, and we cling to that word socialism because we're such bitches and we don't even know what socialism is, and we don't even know the difference, and we don't even see that <laughs> these chickens live in socialism behind me. Uh, but don't worry about it, guys. A white guy who addresses audiences as brothers and sisters. How do you not love that, man? Nothing more beautiful than that. Because we hear black leaders say, brothers and sisters, it's cool. But to hear a white guy say it, normally it's a stuffy, you know, white politician because we're such clowns. Anyway, uh, more proof that I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. And if you're still listening from wherever, thank you. And why? You know, I do have some idea. I have an Irish passport. And why am I using that? Not using that more. I've been to Ireland three times. I have an Irish passport from through my grandfather. He was born there outside of... Uh, Galway and came over in the 19, I'm going to guess, late 20s, early 30s. And then he went back to fight uh, in France against the old Nazarenos. But uh, anyway, through him, we were able to, my brother and sister and I and my dad were able to get uh, passports, Irish passports, citizenship. Not my mom, because she doesn't fly. She's flown like three times in her life. And I don't think she's going to get on a cruise. Never would have before. But uh, now, especially with the cruise ship situation, that's never going to happen. But I don't think it was. Anyway, 
Uh, so yeah, Ireland three times. Most recently for my friend Joe Ferris's wedding. Unreal. Rained that night. I think it was a Sunday night at a castle. Um, it was phenomenal, man. Just beautiful. So I got to use that more and get into the because because the Netflix shows I've been watching are fantastic and uh, a lot of them are your, well the, I'm watching uh, Papel La Casa de Papel Money Heist and that's uh, just the whole European vibe is so sexy to me. Um, I went to D.D. Reese in Westwood just to get out of the house, man. You got to do something, right? And they had closed that day. Like I went April first and had to close March thirty first. D.D. Reese is a phenomenal... Oh, this is a good opportunity for ad space. It's a great uh, little place in Westwood. I think it's cash only. No, maybe not, but it's really cheap. It's like $2 for two soft baked, freshly baked soft batch cookies with a lump of cold ice cream in the middle, and it all just melts together in this ooze. And it's beautiful. Um, and it's called D.D. Reese in Westwood there on... Is it on Gailey? I don't think it's on Gailey, but uh, that's delicious. Um, and then, uh, I've been getting into Ben and Jerry's boom chocolata, a new flavor. My dad worked for Haagen-Dazs for years. Uh, he actually interviewed at Ben and Jerry's afterwards and, uh, he'd always get rival products. You know, even he worked at Evan and Mars, but would still buy Hershey's just to see what's out there doing their R and D. Um, but I love that Ben and Jerry's boom chocolata. I think I've had two, maybe three of them now, and I never buy ice cream in the pack. You know, I'm usually a one and done guy. I'm out the dough. Uh, but try it. That's God, that's good. They should send me stuff. But, uh, yeah, my dad was a big guy, and uh, he died when I was 35. I'd love to know him now. You know, I think, I think we could have enjoyed each other, and he'd love the four grandkids that he has. Um, it would have been a joke. He'd have spoiled them and just loved having them around. They're just silly. Told him. I used to tell him I loved him a lot as I got older. I didn't need to hear it from him. I just needed him to hear it from me, you know? Um, I knew through his actions that he did. But he's old, that older generation. Um, but I needed him to hear me say it. Jeff Klinger is a comic from Chicago who has a great joke about telling his dad he loved him. He's like, I love you, Dad. And his dad would say, okay, no problem. No problem. Huh. Speaks volumes. But that sums up. I'm sure that sums up a lot of families worldwide culturally. But uh, Midwest, for sure. White Midwesterners. Um, finished the Aaron Hernandez book. And the Netflix documentary, I liked the book a lot more. It was sweet. You know, again, it gave your mind more space to go in terms of imagining, because it's written by his brother, in part. It's written by um, an SI writer and his brother, DJ Hernandez, his older brother, by three years, I believe. And uh, it paints a nice picture of him as a child. And, uh, you know, he's obviously in the closet. He's gay. And uh, he was molested as a kid, and the dad was tough on them, very alpha male. So obviously fears about coming out, and then the CTE stuff, you know. And he played football, grade school, high school, college pro, and that just added up. And they think uh, that the CTE, well, so many issues. But I, I, I really like the book, the Aaron Hernandez book, more than the documentary. The documentary, of course, naturally was so dark and so unnecessary. All those deaths, I think three three different deaths of men that were not, I don't think they were gangsters. I think they were just working human beings like us. One was a football player in the uh, semi-pro leagues and uh, just guys that were in the wrong situation at the wrong time, but they didn't do anything to warrant this. Um 
yeah, now I'm so now I'm onto a different book, obviously, Stillness. And then I don't know, the stand is just waiting for me. Stephen King's The Stand. It's right here. I picked it up for free somewhere. Always wanted to read it, and it's so appropriate now. Um so yeah, that's it for the week. There's nothing new, obviously, because we've been on lockdown, and I'm just trying to get a couple of these in the bank, in the tank, in the bank before I launch this Keen on Things podcast. So um some great people on social media that I've been following. Uh, Sarah Silverman always, you know, has a great pro Bernie Sanders stuff that I love. Uh, Aparna Naturla. I don't know if I'm saying her last name right. I know her from LA. She lives in New York now, written, appeared on a bunch of shows. I love her Twitter handle and following and everything. The Twitter handle, more of the content. Um, some people I've, I've really liked on Facebook. Mike Fellows is really funny. Never met him. But I think he does a little comedy and definitely going to be a great comedy writer. His posts are amazing. Robin Tran, who I've been I've known for a few years, done some shows with, and uh, some really funny posts. I think Robin and Mike might know each other from kind of the North Orange County, L.A. scene. I don't know. Uh, Morgan Murphy, killing me as always on Twitter. Um, and, of course, the one and only Chad Daniels, just unreal just hilarious and you got it if you haven't seen chad daniels or don't know him he, he needs to be a household name um so let me let me see some favorite posts of the week that i did twitter facebook instagram oh um because i watched tiger king i thought a good idea would be um like they used to have battle the network stars i think they should have um, that, but within Netflix, like if we're Joe Exotic versus Rajneesh in an obstacle course, that'd be fun. So that was a fun post. Um, another post I said was, if this country can get through my comedy, we can make it through this epidemic. That was fun. That got some laughs. Um, another post I said, which is good, Tiger King makes everyone in Ozark seem normal. That was a good time because Ozark's great. Uh, it's just amazing. Laura Linney and Ruth both deserve best actress. Uh, and then the character that links them is her brother, Ruth, or I'm sorry, uh, Laura Linney's brother who dates Ruth's character plays someone who's mentally ill and just has, there's an insane scene where it's just like, I think it steals the whole, the whole show. I mean, it's like he'll, he should get some award for that. Why do I, why am I so concerned about awards? Weirdly the hardest scene of the series after all the killing, this was the most gripping scene. You'll know what I'm talking about since season three toward the, uh, end Reno. Uh, and the idea of being institutionalized, hope I'm not ruining it for anyone is horrifying. Um, my older brother is a special needs situation. And some of that institutionalization that I've seen over the years is, uh, it's so dark and I'm so glad that it happened to me at a young age where I didn't know. I just thought that was normal. So it was fine. But, um, if something were to happen for the first time now at this age, then I don't know that I would have been no deal because little people, man, little kids, survivors. Uh, it's a different situation because mentally illness, special needs, um, similar requirements, but you know, but a little different. And I'll, I'll get into that more as we go through this process on this podcast. I'll talk about my older brother Danny because there's some good stuff there. I've uh, been watching and listening to Huck and Irwin, John Huck, Brian Irwin, do their Hollywood Anonymous podcast, live broadcast, uh, really, and that's helping. It's almost daily on Facebook. Fun to watch and chime in. They have some great interviews. So look that up. Um, James Lipton died last week, and that's been overlooked with Kenny Rogers and then James Lipton. Um, and uh, some others, uh, you know, I'm going to look up who else died this past week make that a theme of this podcast 
Uh, we've blown through our 30 minutes, but we're gonna, I'm finishing up here in a minute. Uh, James Lipton died. You know, he, he, in some areas he was pretentious, but really good. Was a really good sport about it later on, like with Chappelle and David Cross and Arrested Development and Will Ferrell. You know, he was always a good sport. And that's the true sign, I think, of someone. It's like, you can be your thing, but then how are you? Are you laughing when people make fun of you? Because if you are, you're cool. That's what Robert Redford said to Barbara Streisand in The Way We Were when she was being heckled. Um, she was doing a, uh, a rally, and somebody was heckling her, and after, and she kind of took it to heart too much. And afterwards, Robert Redford said, all you had to do was laugh. You laugh it off, you've got them. They're on your side, and that's what you have to do. Trump doesn't do it. Bush did. Um, that's some of the difference, whatever, and one of the thousand differences there. Can you hear the rooster? I don't fear the rooster. Okay. Um, yeah, anyway, James Lipton, he struck it big, guys, in the mid-'90s. He was in his 70s, man. So... Blight Loomer, huh? I'm really banking on that. Um, so, yeah, that's all. That's all for this episode. Let's wrap it up. Uh, Boom Chocolata is a great Ben & Jerry's ice cream. It's out there. You know, it's the caramel mocha ice creams with chocolate cookie crunch in there. There's no, like, nuts. I don't like the nuts in there. I like nuts, but on the side. I don't like that in my ice cream or chocolate. Um, and this, this is just, it's the best ice cream out there. And I think it's just chocolate chips, caramel, vanilla, and coffee ice cream with cookie. There's like five things in every freaking type of Ben and Jer. Um, okay, let's see. So, boom, chocolate. And then gigs I have coming up, nothing of note, right? Find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Keen of Comedy on all those. K-E-A-N-E, Keen of Comedy, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And then YouTube, Patrick Keen Mascots. That's the show I'm trying to get off the ground and uh, reaching out to a few people um, this week and trying to get some feedback on different ideas and uh, how to pitch that because I know it can work. And I just got to keep believing and keep working toward that belief. God, we're at 34 minutes this podcast. You know, it started just two weeks ago and they were 30-minute episodes. Now we're up to 35. But uh, I hope, if anything, it kills the boredom. Uh, it's informative it's entertaining and uh, hopefully enlightening to me and opening, putting myself out there, you know, making myself vulnerable. There is strength in vulnerability, right, roosters? These hens live behind me. It's great. I posted some video of it this week. Um, and uh, get called out where I'm full of shit. I don't like swearing like that, but uh, it happens. And, you know, it's not romp room up here. I'm going to, you know, talk about some things sometime. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, let's do it again. Love you. Keen on things. Patrick Keen, over and out. <laughs>